One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I'm Courtney Eck. And we sure are happy to be here with you guys. This is our 100th episode. Boo, 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 boo. I wish I'd thought to queue it up on the app. That's fucking crazy. Sadie just literally just told me as we were starting right before this. This is our yeah. under 100th episode. And maybe it's 99th. I'm going to check. <laughs> um, yeah, let's double check that. That would be hilarious if it's not. No, it's 100th. Okay. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Hooray! What is happening? What? How is that possible? We won't rattle on and on and on about this because no. you're all not here to hear about our accomplishments. But stick around for the end. We're going to announce a giveaway, and it's a good giveaway. And if you want to participate, great. Yep. And thanks for being here a uh, 100 times. Yes. Yes. Thank you dearly. And you're all here for the murder. So yeah, I'm going to launch right into tonight's. Let's do it. Tonight's case is the abduction, murder, and tragic aftermath of Riley Fox. Big old fat trigger warning, you guys, for child sexual assault and murder. So in 2004, the Fox family was living the American dream in Wilmington, Illinois, which is a small Midwestern town of about 5,000 people outside of Chicago. Melissa and Kevin Fox were high school sweethearts who met after a volleyball game, and he was a basketball player, and she was a cheerleader. They had their son Tyler at a young age and got married when he was three. Their daughter Riley came just one year later. In 2004, Kevin Fox had a solid career as a union painter, loved being a father, and felt that that's what he was put on the earth to do. Three-year-old Riley was an exceptionally cute and bright little girl who looked like a cherub, was full of energy, and cheered up everyone who met her. She was spunky, sassy, girly, and had an excellent sense of humor. She was a bit of a tomboy, and she and her father, Kevin, were basically inseparable. On Saturday, June 5th, 2004, Melissa went to nearby Chicago to attend a breast cancer walk with some friends for two nights and it was the first time she was going to be away from her kids for more than a few hours. Kevin and his brother went to a music festival the first night, and Melissa's mother watched the kids while they were out. The two had some beers, then stopped for a burrito, and then headed back home. 
Kevin's brother said that he was adamant that he needed to pick up the kids from their grandmother's house, even though it was pretty late, around 1 a.m. to be exact, which he did, and then headed home. Because it was so late, and the kids' beds weren't made properly, he put his son Tyler to bed on a large chair with an ottoman, and Riley on the couch. Kevin said he watched a little TV, then went outside on the porch to have a smoke, and didn't notice anyone or anything strange on the street. After he finished his smoke, he also went to bed and went to sleep. At 8 a.m., Tyler entered Kevin's bedroom to wake him, saying Riley was missing from the couch where she'd gone to sleep the night before. Kevin immediately got out of bed to search for Riley, thinking maybe she'd wandered off or was hiding somewhere, but couldn't find her after searching the entire house and property. He asked the neighbors if they'd seen her, but there was no sign of little Riley anywhere. After oh, search, this is like it kind of stinks of John Bonet. Uh, this is this one stinks of a lot of different cases. Yeah, yeah, I don't like it. It's very um, deja vu the whole time I was learning about it. After searching for between thirty and forty minutes, he called the local non-emergency police number to report that she was missing. Police immediately arrived and started to search for Riley, and Kevin reported to them that the front door had been wide open when he'd entered the living room to look for her, and he was pretty certain that he'd closed and locked it before going to bed. Police didn't find any sign of forced entry, and Kevin also explained that the lock on the back door had been broken. There weren't any signs that anything had been taken, and the yellow blanket Kevin had put Riley to bed with was still on the couch where she'd gone to sleep. Kevin's brother reported that Kevin was a total mess, was super distraught, scared, crying, and generally beside himself. At some point, Melissa called to check in from her weekend in Chicago, and Kevin told her that Riley was missing. She had to call him? Yes. Well, I think it was like very in the moment. Okay. Yeah, I think that police had just arrived and she happened to call and he okay. was like, um, P.S. our daughter oh is God. missing. I know. Oh. I know. Yeah, he wanted to be like, yeah, these kids are a real handful. No. No. Snatched. She said that she just dropped the phone and collapsed, and then she and her friends immediately left to drive back to Wilmington. By the time Melissa arrived home, the town was teeming with people searching for Riley in every conceivable manner. The town had mobilized immediately and were doing everything in their power to locate the missing girl. I just can't imagine... No. Like, I'm okay. It'll be fine. I'm going to do this for myself, me and my girlfriends. No. Chicago Girlfriends Weekend. And then worst case scenario. Oh, my God. Especially the first few times you go. Right? No. It's all you think about are your kids. You yeah. Know? Ugh. Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm just going to get through this because I have to get through this because this is what you have to do to have a right. life. Right. To show that they'll be fine if I leave them. Nope. And then they are very much not fine. 100% not, okay. not fine. Yep. Oy, oy, oy. One place people went to search was a nearby nature preserve, which was essentially a large meadow area with a creek running through it. A very large creek, maybe even a river, but they kept referring to it as a creek. A mother and daughter specifically sought out the location. As the mother said, she just had a bad feeling about it. And as they were searching near the water, she caught a glimpse of something and screamed. She said it initially looked like a plastic grocery bag that had bubbled up in the water, and when she walked closer, she realized it was a little girl lying face down in the creek. Oh, no. 
Immediately after the discovery, Melissa described that there was a lot of commotion, followed by the police putting her and Kevin in separate police cars, and then they brought them down to the station. Once at the station, police began interviewing them both, and Melissa remembers not knowing what was going on and asking for someone to explain to her what was happening. Kevin's family walked into the room at one point, and they were all crying, and it was at that point that Kevin's father informed them that Riley had been found dead. Kevin's brother recalled catching him as he started to fall because his knees gave out and the whole room sobbed under the gravity of what was happening to the family. So the police found out that she had been found and then brought them in separate fucking police cars down to the station and started questioning them. Wow. Like, what? uh, hmm? Yeah. Question mark? Like, there should be, unless it is, the father is holding the gun (laughs) with the fucking knife or something. There should be a law against that behavior. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, tell the family let them grieve 24 hours later 12 right one hour later you know like then bring them down to the station yeah in the same car i just oh this case yeah i think because i don't know who to be suspicious of yet <sighs> i am <laughs> yeah. yes you know like yeah. i could understand the dad it's you know he would be the most likely suspect at this point right and so it might be important to question him or keep him you know like yes or whatever i get it but yes also there's a deeper victimization that happens if you don't right fucking like be on your best behavior as an investigator i know you're eager i know that you want to find this person who did this but give it a sec yes there are consequences there are ramifications yeah So the community went into a total frenzy, terrified that there was a child murderer on the loose, and rallied around the Fox family while they dealt with every parent's worst, absolute worst Mm. nightmare. Simultaneously, police were also following up on a report of a burglary across the street from the Fox house. Their neighbor reported that her screen had been cut and door unlocked, but initially she said that nothing seemed to have been taken, and that's all very strange coincidence. Neighbors also made reports of a suspicious vehicle in the area the night Riley was kidnapped and said that it had been a red Chevy Beretta. Police later reported to the public that the reports of the red Beretta weren't credible, and so there were no leads on the vehicle that had been used to abduct Riley. Otherwise, police didn't report much at all about the case and set their sights on searching the area around the creek where Riley had been found. Investigators said whoever hid her body was most likely from the area because otherwise they wouldn't have known to go there as it was so remote and hidden. There was a log jam upstream from where the body had been found that had collected anything that had tried to float downstream, and in that area, investigators found a man's shoe. Oh, no. A little further down the creek, they found a matching shoe that had been caught by a tree by a shoelace. They collected the shoes into evidence, and that was it. Police never looked at the shoes further, and if they had, they would have seen the letters E-B-Y written on the back of the tongue of the shoes. They never looked at them again. Nope. Put them in a bag, brought them to the station. (sighs) We're in Illinois. sat. Yes, we're right outside of Chicago. Uh. They're very busy people. 
It's a town of 5,000 people. They have cows getting loose. They have, you know, people rolling through stop signs all the time, day and night. Uh, So, yeah, you get a couple of matching set of men's shoes mm -hmm. with the letters written inside of them, and you just put them in a bag and leave them at the station. So crazy. When Riley's body was found, she had duct tape across her mouth. There was duct tape residue on her wrists, and she was only wearing a shirt. Her autopsy revealed that she had been alive when she entered the creek, that she had received, quote, non-lethal head injuries, and that she had been sexually assaulted. Mm. I know. Authorities searched her body for DNA and other evidence that could help them find the killer, and in the end, they sent around 20 items to the FBI for further testing. Unfortunately, there was an enormous backlog of items that needed testing at Quantico, and so the results would take a very long time. This is the early 2000s? Yep, 2004. In the meantime, Riley's funeral was held and 6,000 people oh my God. attended. The more than the, into, yeah. Yes, more <laughs> than the population of the town. 6,000 wow. people attended. That doesn't surprise me too much. Like, no, no, no. You don't no. kill a baby and... Mm-mm. Nope. So everyone wore pink, which was her favorite color to honor her. Police officers also attended with video cameras to surveil the crowd and see if they could spot the killer in the midst of the masses, and two specifically set their sights on Kevin Fox. Within an hour of the end of the funeral, police showed up at the home of one of Melissa's friends to ask her if she had any reason to believe that Kevin could have been the one to kill Riley. She said that she didn't even let them finish asking the question before answering, no. Sixteen days after the abduction and murder, police asked if they could, quote, jog the memory of Tyler Fox, who is Riley's older brother and clearly an important witness as he was the one in the room with her when she was taken. He's also little. Yeah, he's four. He's four or five. They said they wanted to see if he could remember any details. He might have been too scared to relay to Melissa or Kevin. They agreed, and he was brought in and interviewed alone. Oh, no. By the child advocacy forensic interviewer. And according to a former federal prosecutor who has interviewed hundreds of children for cases, the interview was a disaster from the first minute. God. The interviewer spoke to Tyler from the other side of a desk. So he had a small desk in between them rather than, you know, sitting next to him. Right. And didn't provide any crayons or any other tools that could help him warm up or feel more comfortable. The interviewer asked Tyler over and over and over again to the point that he was openly upset and sobbing if his father had anything to do with Riley's disappearance. At one point, he pulled the hood of his sweatshirt over his face and curled up in his chair. The interviewer asked him things like, quote, did you see your dad carry Riley outside? And Tyler answered no, to which the interviewer replied, quote, it's okay if you did. And then repeated, quote, did you see your dad take her outside for just a little bit? And Tyler again answered no. Tyler answered that his father hadn't been involved in Riley's disappearance 168 times throughout the interview. No. 168 times he had to say no. (sighs) He repeated again and again that he had been asleep when she was taken and woke up to find her gone. But they persisted with their questioning regardless. Oh my God. 
at the end of the interview, only when Tyler was hysterically crying and asking for his mom and dad, did the interviewer stop questioning him. Oh my God. Yes. It was like an hour interview, over an hour. They just berated him and he's visibly upset to the point of hysterics. Oh my God. Yeah. I I can't. I mean, I'm astounded that he was able to stick to his story. Yeah, right? Under that sort of pressure. Yes. Holy shit. Yes. Yes. Uh, I know. Like, did they put all of these dickheads in prison for this (laughs) child abuse? Like, that is so Well, it just, it gives you such a picture of how this case was handled. Oh, God. And it's 2004. I mean, I know we've learned a lot even since then, but by 2004, we knew enough to know that you can't take a kid who's 62 weeks ago lost his sister. No. He's deeply traumatized. No. Is guilty, was in the room, you know, and then discovered her missing. No. Push him 168 times to say that his father had something to do with it. Mm -mm. His fucking father, like the person who's protecting him, comforting him. Like, I cannot imagine how disturbing and just how that would just shake your fucking foundation of your whole life at the time where you need this most solid foundation. Disgusting. Kevin's brother, Chad, was deeply disturbed by the way the police were treating his family and had a terrible feeling that they were honing in on Kevin as their main suspect. Police kept dropping by the house. They'd asked to play catch with Tyler, and it made Chad very scared for the potential outcome, so he asked them to please speak with an attorney. Kevin they, and Melissa... They hadn't, they hadn't done that yet. No, they didn't have an attorney, oh, and they guys, refused. Come on. Yes. They, they, yeah, they just they wanted refused. to be helpful. Yes, and they were adamant that they had nothing to hide and no reason to seek counsel, but they were horribly wrong. No. On October 26, 2004, four and a half months after Riley disappeared, the family was eating their dinner when the police called and told Melissa that she and Kevin needed to come down to the station immediately as they had something important to tell them. The Foxes rushed down to the station, excited to finally have a break in the case, and hopeful that police had found the person guilty of their daughter's horrible murder. Kevin had been up since 4.30 that morning, so was ready to go to bed after dinner, but of course a break in the case took precedence over an early bedtime. Once they were at the station, police immediately separated them and brought Kevin into a tiny windowless room, where they stuck him in the corner and began questioning him. The room was outfitted with cameras to record the interview, but they did not turn them on for some reason. Oh, that's surprising. Mm Mm-hmm. Kevin reported that they sat him down, asked him to recall what happened the night Riley went missing, and then turned on him out of nowhere and said that they had reason to believe that he had killed Riley. Kevin said he freaked out, jumped up, and started shouting at officers that they knew he had nothing to do with his daughter's murder and got in their face while doing it. He said officers proceeded to berate him, swear at him, threaten him, and wear him down over the next several hours. They told him that they knew guys in prison who would rape him every day and showed him a photo of his daughter, dead, (gasps) bound, and in the creek with mud on her little face. Oh, my God. Which the Will County Police deny. (sighs) Yeah. Do you never fucking cross that line, guys? I don't even care if the guy no. fucking did it. That is a line that you do not 
cross. You do no. not force that onto a fucking parent. No. They eventually offered him a polygraph test and he agreed to take it. But unfortunately, he failed. Or at least police told him he did. Mm-hmm. Somebody was like, this is a common tactic. They like get you to the point in the in the interview, tell you to take a polygraph and then claim that you failed it. Right. To try to get you to fess up. It like gets you so upset that there's no way to pass it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's that too. You're just like, been interviewed for, you know, many, many hours. I've been awake for pushing 24 hours at this point. I would fail it if you just didn't give me a snack for 20 minutes. You know I would I mean? fail it, f- like, right now. Yeah, immediately. In my right. house. Right. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. They then brought Melissa in and informed her that Kevin failed a polygraph, and she stood by her husband, saying she didn't believe them and that it was okay. She knew he didn't kill their daughter. After that, according to a later lawsuit that was filed... One of the detectives blew up, got right in Melissa's face, and said, quote, Your fucking husband killed your fucking daughter, and he's a liar. Oh, my God. Of course, the Will County Police Department claimed that Kevin's account of the interview is exaggerated, and they didn't try to intimidate or coerce him in any way. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Likely story. Yeah, I believe you guys. You guys are doing a really good job. <laughs> yep. After hours and hours of interrogation, 14 hours to be exact police said that if he admitted to her death being an accident things would be easier on him and so no he confessed he didn't yes no check this out though according to his confession kevin had gotten up in the middle of the night didn't realize riley was behind the bathroom door so accidentally struck her in the head with the door and knocked her out he then panicked because she was knocked out and he Mm -hmm. did it Mm mm-hmm Staged it to look like someone had abducted her, Mm -hmm. sexually assaulted her. Mm -hmm. Then he took her to the creek and drowned her. Right. To cover up bonking her on the head to the point that she passed out. Yep. Case closed. Um, Throw the book at him. He said that he thought the confession was so bizarre and hard to believe that no one could have possibly have run with it. Oh, my God. (laughs) But they fucking did. Of course they did. Kevin said he felt like he was trapped in a burning room and he took the only way out that he could see. No. Unfortunately, that way out would have devastating consequences. I hate this story. You know how much a fucking false imprisonment is my number one thing. I mean, if it's like, A, having children and them getting abducted and murdered, that would be my number one fear, but Mm -hmm. I don't have children. So, avoiding that one. Second after that, false imprisonment. False imprisonment for the abduction Mm -hmm. and murder of your child. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. Forget about it. Fucking forget about it. No. No. (sighs) You won't be surprised to hear that the chief prosecutor, Jeff Tomzak, was under enormous pressure for a break in the case. And he was also facing re-election in one week. (laughs) So a break in the Riley Fox case would be a huge win for him. Just lighting everything on fire right now. Right? Old Jeffy was all too excited to hold an immediate press conference to announce that Kevin Fox had confessed and was being charged with his daughter's abduction and first degree murder. Oh my God. Kevin said one of the first things he heard a guard say as he was being booked was, quote, hey, we got the baby Riley killer. Oh God. And his first instinct was to look around to see if he could get a glimpse of the killer, forgetting that it was him. Oh, my God. Mm Mm-hmm. 
prosecution planned to seek the death penalty and the judge set bond at $25 million. Holy shit. Luckily, Kevin's brother Chad sprang into action and sought out the best defense attorney he could find in the area. Do you want to guess who it was? Uh, A badass defense attorney based out of Chicagoland area? Um, I don't know. Kathleen Zelder, motherfuckers! (laughs) Woo-hoo! Oh, Katie Z, coming to the rescue. I guess I didn't know she was out of Chicago. Yes, yes, yes. For those of you who don't know, Kathleen Zelder is the superstar defense attorney most known for making a murderer. Melissa continued to stand by Kevin and was 100% sure that he had nothing to do with their daughter's murder. Meanwhile, Kevin had to endure prison with the worst possible charges a person can spend time in prison for and wasn't sure he'd survive his time inside, considering the constant threats he was receiving and the constant grieving he was experiencing. I cannot imagine. No. You are grieving by your fucking self in prison with everybody in prison around you wanting to fucking kill you. Yeah. Like name. I mean, there are like five other things that are worse than Mm -hmm. that, but that is the worst thing a person would have to go through. And of course, members of the community turned against Melissa and Kevin, which victimized them further. God, I just Mm. can't even. No. Like actual fucking living, breathing nightmare. The worst possible nightmare. Zellner started by studying the aspects of the crime that Kevin confessed to to see if they lined up with the evidence. Kevin said that he'd left Riley's body near a bridge, but Zellner's team determined that would have been impossible because the current wasn't strong enough to carry her body downstream to where it was found. Boom. Number one. Right. Done. Case closed. They, They then studied the bathroom door that Kevin claimed he'd accidentally knocked Riley out with and found that it was a hollow core door and so couldn't have possibly caused any serious damage even to a three-year-old. No. It's one of those, it's not even the wooden ones, it's like the, what do you even know what it is, that fiberglass or something? Like, you could put your three-year-old through it, and they would would giggle, you know? And three-year-olds are so resilient. Totally. I have a three-year-old in my house right now, and the things that happens to him, and he's just like, no, I'm fine, mom, and runs away. Like, I would be yeah. dead if I had yes. just done that to myself. Anvil from a building. Boiling bounces yeah. if they're fine. Yes. Despite these pieces not lining up, Zellner knew she'd needed DNA evidence to keep Kevin from being convicted, considering the prosecution had his confession to back up their case, which is a seriously damning piece of evidence, even if it has been recanted. Especially when you're dealing with a fucking baby daughter girl. Well, I think people just always go back on the, why would you confess to something that you didn't do? That's exactly right. Yes. Very luckily, there had been saliva samples collected in the rape kit investigators had done, but unfortunately, it would require very sophisticated testing to get any information that could help their case. It was a type of DNA that couldn't be used to identify the perpetrator, but it could be used to eliminate someone who hadn't done it. Yeah, let's do that. Yes. So Zellner also focused on the false confession and the tactics police used to coerce the confession from him. Aside from all of the threatening and inappropriate way they showed him a photo of his dead daughter, at one point, one of the investigators rushed in and claimed he'd spoken to a prosecutor who said Kevin would just get involuntary manslaughter if he confessed. 
Which is what convinced him to confess. Oh, God. Yeah, I can't make those promises. No, no, no. No, no. Some of the interrogators present have confirmed that they did discuss involuntary manslaughter with him during his interview, but that they made him no promises. At the time of his confession, he had been awake for over 24 hours and was worn down to the brink, and so told them what they wanted to hear to make it stop. Yep. Under normal legal circumstances, a good prosecutor would not charge someone with murder based on a confession alone, as additional evidence is needed to corroborate the confession. Well, right. It's, it's like the guy that kept going into the police station and confessing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And they yes. still wouldn't arrest him because it didn't yeah, have anything else. Precisely. You take the confession. You say, don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. You gather the evidence, make sure it sticks, or apply it to the evidence you already have. They did not do any of that. Hmm. Because they're very so, good at their jobs. I mean, covered people already. rolling through. They don't even stop, Sadie. They just go right up and they just hesitate at the stop sign and then just keep rolling. Mm-hmm. Do you know how dangerous that is? I know. Kills people all the time. Oh, my God. It slows people down from <laughs> commerce <laughs> happening. Anyway. So while Zellner was assembling the evidence for the defense, they got a huge break as old Jeffy Jeff Tomzak, the prosecutor who charged Kevin, was defeated. Yes. The new prosecutor recalled the DNA evidence that had been sent to the FBI, and he sent it to a private lab for review to speed up the process. Fuck yeah, he did. <laughs> if that's not the luckiest fucking break that a defense attorney has ever gotten. Yeah. That's like, so awesome. So fucking awesome. Because the new prosecutor's like, oh, not only did I just beat you, I'm going to destroy your legacy. Seriously. Eight months after Kevin was charged for the murder of his three-year-old daughter, eight months. God. The DNA came back and conclusively ruled him out as a suspect for the crime. Oh, just got chills. They couldn't tell who did it but they had determined that Kevin had not been the one to commit the murder, but had spent eight months in jail and away from his grieving family anyway. Mm-mm. Just so Jeffy Jeff fucking fuck you, Tom Zach, could try to win a seat as the prosecutor one more time. That is, if that's like not the, I, ugh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm there. I'm right there with you. <laughs> prosecutors dropped all the charges and Kevin was released the next day. Thank God. Zellner said, quote, do the test before you make the arrest. Yo. Motherfuckers. She boom. didn't say the mo- mofos, but Did she, she said boom, boom. She dropped the mic. She chopped her crotch. Jesus <clears throat> Christ. Yeah. Even after the DNA cleared Kevin, people continued to harass and threaten him, calling him a child molester and threatening to shoot his dog. Oh my God. Yeah. Of course they do. Once the fucking train is out of the station, there's no rolling it back. No. It's like, you are you have ruined his life, period. There's yep. nothing, there's no coming back from that, unless he wants to move away and hope that the media hasn't spread it throughout the fucking country. But Seriously. you're fucked. That's it. So, Zellner represented the Fox family in a civil lawsuit for wrongful arrest, and of course police claimed they didn't do anything to coerce the confession. Of course not. Zellner pointed out the myriad ways they didn't do a thorough investigation before arresting Kevin, including ignoring the fact that the the across-the-street neighbor had also been broken into that night. 
One of the main reasons they had focused on Kevin as their main suspect was that there had been no sign of forced entry, but the Foxes had told the police that the back door lock was broken, and so someone could have easily entered no problem. Right. Like, it literally just walked through the door. Right. Police also became obsessed with a piece of grainy surveillance footage that they retrieved from a gas station that showed what they were convinced was Kevin's Ford Escape. Zellner said that not only did the vehicle not resemble Kevin's, but there was no clear image of the license plate or the face of the driver, so it would never have held up in court (laughs) and was a weak lead to begin with. Yeah. (sighs) My three-year-old drew this picture and... (laughs) I just, like... There's a a mid-sized vehicle that drove by. Sam, book him. Like, no, guys. No. God. They also discounted the reports that a suspicious red Beretta had been seen in the neighborhood the night Riley went missing. At the civil trial, it was also revealed that someone from the Will County Sheriff's Department had actually called Quantico and put a hold on the testing of the (gasps) DNA. That went untested for eight fucking months. No, they didn't. Yes. Sadie Eck. Oh. Yes. I keep saying it. I've got to stop saying it. But oh my God, Courtney. (laughs) Yes. So the sergeant who made the call said he was misunderstood and had simply asked that they not test the DNA on some of the items. I'm sorry. Not all of them. What? But why would the fuck would you even do that? No, you wouldn't. Why would you even do that? Be like, I know I sent you 20 things, but let's go down the list. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. You test all the DNA. Yes. You test all of it. Yes. There's no reason to just test some of it. There's oh. no reason. Wow. So, yes. They were stalling. <laughs> oh they were God. fucking stalling. In the end, the Fox family was awarded $15.5 million dollars which would never make up for the absolute torture they put the family through, but was a good start. Yeah. It should be the $25 million that he had to pay to get out of jail. Ooh, I like it. Totally. Well, and even worse is an appeals court later reduced the sum to $8 million, which is bullshit. That's bullshit. Still a fair amount of money. But yes, I like that if you have a $25 million bond, that's what Mm -hmm. you should be awarded. Mm Mm-hmm. Most of the police involved in the botch investigation went on to lead long careers in law enforcement. Of I did. And the prosecutor, Jeff Tomczak, says he stands by his decision in the case. Hey, Jeff, go fuck yourself. <laughs> hey, Jeff, I don't, I don't stand by your no. decision. It's, it was poor. It was a poor decision. Yeah. You are going to hell, so enjoy uh-huh. your time Bye-bye. your sad little suit in this earth because... It's not going to be good for you in your next life. You are definitely coming back in a bad, bad place, Jeffy. Yep. Quick side, really quick side. My, Tell me. My three-year-old, who's almost four, got a fortune bazooka bubblegum thing wrapper. Yeah. And his fortune was, you're going to soon have to choose between money or happiness. <laughs> and um, so I asked him, I said, hey, what, what would you choose, money or happiness? And without hesitation and a lot of glee, he said, money. <laughs> so he's just a future Jeff, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I believe that. I do yeah, I do that. too. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, it's jury's out as far as that kid. He's either going to be like full save the earth, him like Mm -hmm. legitimately save the earth, or full blown sociopath. Totally, I completely agree. Well, time will tell. Let you know. (laughs) So, with Kevin cleared, 
Who did abduct and kill little Riley? Guy that doesn't have shoes. <laughs> That's my guess. Yes. No, no shoe Joe. So in June of 2009, five years after Riley was found dead, the FBI sent a team to Wilmington to start their own investigation into the disappearance of her murder. Good. Oh, disappearance and murder. Yes. Good. A special agent named Lori Warren specifically pushed her boss for years to let her lead a team and solve the case, and he finally relented. Get it. I know. They sent 30 agents. Holy shit. To Wilmington. And they interviewed anyone and everyone. Wow. Yeah. Good for them. I know. Lori Warren. Let's Lori make shirts that Warren. say Lori Warren fucking rules because wow. she was just like, I, ca- I had to solve this case. I can. Yes. Yeah. They spoke to one woman who said that she didn't have any evidence, but had a gut feeling that a man that she'd been in a relationship with had been the one to commit the crime. He had since left the area, but she gave them his name, Scott Eby. The woman described Eby as a, quote, creep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shoeless. Doesn't wear <laughs> shoes, but labels them in case he loses them. It labels them E-B-Y. Mm-hmm. As in Eby. Mm-hmm. In 2004, Scott Eby was 33 years old, divorced, and had been in and out of prison and was living with his mom one mile away from the Fox family. So his last name was Eby, and he wrote Eby on his shoes. Both of them on the tongue of his shoes. So it wasn't even like they would have to decipher Figure the out. initials. Mm-hmm. No. And they couldn't his, fucking was his do that. last fucking name. They couldn't yep. just look up in the white pages, Eby, and then yep. find him and be like, how in the fuck did your shoes end up in the river with the girl? Sadie, it's too logical. It's far too logical. Instead, they should just shoehorn the daughter's oh father into being the suspect so that Jeffy Jeff Tomczak could get another shot at being the prosecutor in a Mm-mm. fucking tiny Western town. Because who the fuck cares about that, Jeff? Wow. So the woman who reported him to the FBI said that one day the two of them were on a walk and passed by a memorial garden that had been set up for Riley when she made a comment that she couldn't believe that someone would do that to a sweet little girl. She said that his response was that it was such a shame, but she could tell by his emotionless tone that he didn't mean it. At the time that she reported him, he was in jail for the sexual assault of a family member. God. The FBI traveled five hours to where he was incarcerated, fully intending to simply check him off the list, and showed up to interview him without notice. They said he was, quote, respectful and responsive and didn't seem nervous as he answered their questions. He said he'd heard about the case but didn't have any info to share about who could have done it and couldn't remember where he was that day, which is typical as it had been five years since the crime. Special Agent Lori Warren shook his hand before they left, and when they got to the parking lot, she told her partner that it was the, quote, clammiest hand she had ever shaken. Oh. I know. I love the FBI agent be like, a clue. Yeah. <laughs> you know? She can use the clamminess from his hand to transfer yes. DNA to Quick, swab it. Yes. <laughs> After the agents left, E.B. called his mother on a recorded line and asked her to come visit him immediately because he had something he needed to tell her. 
On the recording, you can hear him sobbing, saying he has an emergency and he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. Uh-oh. When she asked if he killed someone, he said he wants to see her so he can give her a hug and a kiss one last time. Oh, God. Gross. She asked if it was something, quote, really, really, really bad, and he confirmed that it was. <sighs> the FBI then went to interview Evie's mother, who reported that she'd driven to see him, and the first thing he asked her was if she remembered the little Riley girl. No. Evie also tried to commit suicide in jail and left a suicide note for the FBI outlining his confession to the murder of Riley Fox, which eventually led to what was supposed to be a taped confession. But Evie clammed up and asked for a lawyer. The FBI agent said that they understood and left the room, and then just over a minute later, he looked up at the cameras recording the room and said that he'd changed his mind. Mm. The agents re-entered the room, and E.B. confessed to exactly what happened that horrible night. He said that the night started by him drinking a lot and using cocaine, and then setting out to find homes to rob. He said that he'd been to jail several times for robbing homes and got some kind of thrill out of it. He said he drove around the neighborhood for a little while, and then got out of his car and started walking from house to house, trying the doors and windows as he went. He admitted to breaking into the house across the street from the Fox home and said that he remembered her sleeping in her bed, watched her sleeping in her bed, mm-hmm. then took the $40 that was in her wallet and then left, not seeing anything else of value. Mm-mm. He said he then crossed the street and walked right through the Fox family's back door as the lock was broken and he was able to enter easily. He said he entered the living room and saw the kids sleeping. He said he didn't see anything valuable to steal, or he would have been in and out of their house, too. But when he saw Riley, he had a sudden urge to take her. No. Yes. He literally said, if they had something valuable, I would have taken it, oh but they God. didn't. So I so just took decided. their daughter. Yes. Yep. He said he went and got his car and backed it into the Fox's driveway. Mm-hmm. Do you want to guess the color and the make of his car? red Beretta. It was a red Beretta. Oh, my God. Yes. The police had everything. They had his last name. They had the color and make of his car. Everything. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's so just this motherfucker, it, he didn't just snatch her. He left, no. and he got his car. Well, yeah. Yes. Like, you can't. Oh, my God. I mean, it's like down the street, but yes. He you went know. and got his car, backed it into the driveway. Yeah, yes. you can't pretend like this was, oh, I just decided to take her. Correct. Oh, yes. God. Not that that would make it okay either, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he had to go and, like, go away Think and come it. back uh, and take the risk of backing, turning no. on your car and backing it into their driveway. What the fuck? Yeah. Yep. He said he then re-entered the house, picked up Riley, and put his hand over her mouth. He said he hesitated and almost put her back down and left the house, but he didn't. No. Instead, he brought her outside and placed her in the trunk of his car. He then drove her to the nature preserve where he sexually assaulted her in the restroom, and police had never processed that facility for clues. Oh my god. Yeah. He had been wearing a bandana over his face, but realized it had slipped down and Riley had seen him, so he started to panic. He decided he needed to kill her as a result, and he claimed that her last words were, quote, I want my daddy. Oh, please. 
Yep. He drowned her in the creek and said he left behind the sneakers that police later collected that had his fucking name written in them. He said he'd thrown them into the river because he'd left shoe prints on the bank and he was surprised when no one tracked him down after he realized that his name was in them. (laughs) God. I mean... There was footprints in the mud matching the shoes in the river. Yeah. With his fucking name in them. Wow. Courtney. Also, it's important to note that Kevin didn't wear the same size shoe as E.B., And so as soon as police heard Kevin's shoe size, they stopped caring about the shoes. Oh, my God. So when he wasn't a size 12, they just assumed the shoes belonged to some rando or whatever. Yes. So get this. I don't want to. I don't want (laughs) to. So later on, the day after he killed Riley, E.B. took an overdose of oxycodone and tried to kill himself. And police responded after a friend of his reported that he threatened to commit suicide. After E.B. took the pills, he woke up to an officer knocking on his door and he vomited in front of the officer. He also asked them, quote, what's up with that little girl? Did they find her? (sighs) Police didn't run any checks on E.B. afterward. And the rest is history. Oh, my God. The day after. The day after. After some random fucking creeper tries to kill himself, Mm -hmm. you respond. He asks about the little girl and you don't even like do a cursory check. What the fuck? She lives, he lives a mile away from where she was taken. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. So Scott Eby pleaded guilty and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. At his sentencing, Melissa read the statement, quote, I came to face you so you would know how important standing up for Riley was to me. She was defenseless that night, and that makes you a coward and a monster. Yes, it does. Kevin and Melissa had another daughter together who they named Tegan, but unfortunately their marriage didn't survive the awful things that they had endured. Oh my God, I thought you were going to say that Tegan died, and I was like, I cannot No, 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 okay. no. Tegan's great. Phew. Tegan's okay. just fine. She is a cutie, happy, okay. fine little girl. Sorry for their marriage very glad their daughter's still living well and they both remarried and are happy and healthy and melissa says that while she'll always have a hole in her heart without riley the suffering that she's endured has made her see the blessings that she does have in a totally different way (laughs) and that (laughs) is the wild ass crazy ass devastating completely avoidable story of the abduction, wow. murder, and tragic aftermath of Riley Fox. Can you even believe that shit? No, not for a second. I'm just I'm very upset by that. It's also very upsetting because, you know, had he just not put Riley down in the living room, you know, yeah, like the pick, coincidence let her stay of it. At grandma's house. Yes. That's why at first I was like, well, of course he did it because. Right. Like, who voluntarily goes and picks up their children when they're their grandma? I mean, I sure shit don't. <laughs> no, he'd be like, I'm no. going to go home and have one more beer and wake shit, up at yes. 10 a.m. But he's a really a nice good dad morning who loves of it. his kids. Yes. And it's didn't like, want to no, put I... them in their unmade beds. I mean, it's just like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Just cozied him up in the living room like, well, it's mom's out of town. We'll just have a fun little sleepover. And no, I know. Oh, God. I've been... It's been really 
the weather's been so nice here lately, really cool at night, and I've been leaving the boys' window open for mm-hmm. fresh air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they wake up in half an hour to you just, like, boarding up the windows. Seriously. <laughs> oh, I know. God. I know. I know. I know. And statistically, you know, the chances of no, that of happening course, are but so unbelievably the fact that it slim. Ever. Ever. That people just get to walk into strangers' houses and steal their children, and I just can't, you yep. know? Yeah. And then the sheriff's department's just going to fucking frame you for your daughter's right. murder, basically. That is that is even more terrifying to yes. me on some level. Yes. But they're just so With bad all at their of jobs. The evidence, like, literally every piece of evidence you yeah. could ever need in, to yes. solve a case. Yeah. It's not even like... They they just didn't have anything, so they smushed it all. No, right. they had everything they needed to solve the case, and they just were like no. dead set on making it be him. No, don't do that anymore. No, guys, no, don't don't do a lot of things, but don't do that a lot. Don't yep. do it. I don't know what it just sort of popped in my brain. The the Delphi murders. I think about those cops a lot. Like the amazing, like tremendous amount of pressure they must be under. Yeah to solve it and they haven't and they're not going around like just framing people you know (laughs) exactly we can be patient and hope one day that motherfucker's caught let's just be patient and if your job Mm -hmm. is more important to you than many many Mm -hmm. many people's lives Mm -hmm. you are a very bad person and you definitely need to find a new job you're definitely picking money over happiness and like power and stuff. Yeah, you know? I know. Like how much? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like how much does a prosecutor make? Oh, Not one hundred and fifty. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. But still, yes, yes. you are the worst kind of person. Literally, the worst kind mm-hmm. of person. I hope you can't sleep at night, and I hope that lots of really uncomfortable things happen to you all the time because your karma is garbage. Yep. You know. Yep. I hope somebody frames you for murder. That would be a very. When I search out that case where a prosecutor frames someone for murder and in return gets framed for murder, so that's the vigilante. That that's what I'm going to start doing: <laughs> planting evidence <laughs> in like the in the investigators and the prosecutors' homes. Yes, Marty Tancliffe. Yep. I've got your back. Yeah, I, got I am you going coming. to seek them out one at a time. Oh, Jeffy, you better sleep with one eye open, Jeff. And just happened to have a bloody glove. It's finding its yeah. way into your sock drawer. That's right. Whatever. I've got these yeah. shoes with your name on it. <laughs> God, now I don't want to watch that movie. I want someone to make a movie with somebody who does that. Because that sounds very satisfying yes. to me. Well, man, that I feel like that was a very appropriate a case for our 100th episode. Thank you. Good work. Boop, boop, Crazy, boop, boop. sad, terrible. I have no idea how I found that case, and I was very surprised that I hadn't heard about it sooner. Mm-hmm. As we are, you know? Uh, like constantly. That's It's got all the things. Yeah. It really does. It really has all the things, yeah. including Kathleen Zellner. That that lady. That wily little wonder. <laughs> I love her. I love did her confidence. Too. I love her, like, smirk face. I do, too. I love her DNA prowess. Well, and I think she's had like a very high turnover rate, like meaning turning over false convictions. Yes, yes, yeah, a lot. Most of the people she works with, she gets them out. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, and it's with the making a murder case, it's just the government. Like, they are not going to ever let those bo- those boys out, yeah. ever. It's just not going to happen, nope. you know? It's political. And that's why it's like makes my stomach hurt so much that if Jeffy Jeff hadn't been overturned, Kevin would still be in prison. Yeah. There's no fucking two ways about it, you know? It was just because they got a new prosecutor who was out for blood that... Yep. He had a chance. Ugh. If it had gone in the other way, he would be sitting in prison like Stephen and Brendan Dassey. Yep. Have you listened so. to? Well, shit, I can't think of the name of it. The, the um, Curtis, Curtis Flowers. Flowers. Have you? No, because Please. I don't have the. I know, but it's like, oh my god, it just it stresses me out so but much. But now you to know he's going to get out, and then he's going to get like. No. But oh my god, it's, it's, it's really the craziest Ugh. shit. Like talking. Speaking of prosecutors who are just garbage right. humans, right. it does not get worse than that guy who kept yep. retrying Curtis Flowers into the dark. No, in the dark. Yeah, go listen right now. Let's turn our podcast off and go listen yeah. to theirs. I know. I just never have like the right mindset to endure that yeah no i understand <laughs> i didn't realize what i was getting to myself into hearing when i listened it. to him. oh man that's so good anyway yeah uh yeah. well do you know what's not hard to endure names yeah names you want some right now Shit, yeah i do a little palate cleanser for that fucking awfulness that happens to people how about sandy beach <laughs> How about it? Love it. How about Molly Dingledine? <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. And what, can I please come back as a Molly Dingledine? Yes. God, that's such a fun name to say. How about Dr. Dick Clap? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I think he might have been an epidemiologist, too. I hope so. I think I, I, think I accidentally erased that in my very formal notes. <laughs> Uh, somebody sent us fun fact boring Oregon is the sister city of the village dull Scotland and more recently bland Australia <laughs> oh my god that makes me very happy that somebody arranged for that to happen me too how about the name Brighton Early uh, <laughs> oh no I like that too I have a friend named Brian Early and he's probably too old to have kids but maybe his kids kids maybe he does seem like somebody that would encourage his children to name their kids Brighton Early, early. <laughs> so back to Australia for a moment an Australian telephone directory listed the business Dick Brown's cleaning services as Brown's Dick cleaning <laughs> services <laughs> Oh, I mean, there's probably God. a market in that. Totally. Like, who wouldn't want their dick professionally cleaned? <laughs> yeah. I don't have one, but if I did, yeah. I want you to get in there and dust that yes. thing out once in a while. Yes. Right? 100%. Jade Stanger. <laughs> oh, no. I think it's Jade Stanger Millicent. Whoa. Jade Stanger Millicent. I know. Leonard Blowers. <laughs> <laughs> Wiley Utterback, <laughs> yes. yes, and Oral Washington. <laughs> God. Oh, this world God. is a beautiful place. It really is. It really is. Last one. So there's a historic house turned into a museum in some in our listeners' hometown in Wisconsin called. Okay, 
Schlegelmilch McDonald House? <laughs> McDaniel House. Schlegelmilch McDaniel House. <laughs> and their friend of a friend is Kelly Shelley <laughs> Schlegelmilch. <laughs> Kelly Shelley Schmigel Mitch. Kelly Shelley Schlegel Milch. Schlegel Schlegel Milch. Schlegel Milch. Yes. Kelly Shelley Schlegel Milch. <laughs> hip hip hooray. That is the perfect name for our 100th episode. Those are the fireworks. I managed to get to Cuba before it got shut again. And, uh, we went to this beach in Trinidad, and there was this group of Canadians that had been going to this resort in Trinidad for like 30 years, every year for 30 years. And so they were throwing this like private party for them on this public beach. <laughs> and it was like seven Canadians and broad daylight. <laughs> <laughs> this loudest loudspeaker you've ever heard in your life. And they just kept going, Canada! <laughs> pew, 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 pew! Like, every 30 minutes. Oh Shout out to Canada! Canada! <laughs> we're all trying to relax on the beach. And... Pew, 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 pew! Anyway. That's what we do here. Yep. Just trying to listen to your um, murder stories, and I'm over here fireworking. <laughs> Speaking of 100th episodes. Yeah. We're going to do a giveaway. Yeah, we are. I think we'll do a stuff. Sadie and I were talking mm-hmm. about it. I think we'll do a little bit of stuff because yep. you guys seem to like things. goodies, some merchy things. Yes. Maybe some, like, maybe I can get Laura to donate some more art or something like that. So something cute, but then also similar to what we did. It was at Christmas time, right? it was Christmas, right? yep. Yep. Um, we want to pick, we want you to help us pick four people who need help and give each of them $100. Yeah, yeah. For our 100th episode. Yeah. It can be yourself. Do you need help? Yep. It can be your yep. your other people Friend. that you know. Your... Yeah. Your neighbor, your coworker. Yeah. If you know somebody who could really use $100 right now, that that would be a very, very fucking helpful thing for them, let us know. We want to do that. And we will pick four people to give them $100, which is like the hardest thing to do, but... I don't know. I think it, I know that there have been huge stretches of my life where a hundred dollars would have been like a fucking life changing amount yeah. of money. Right now, you know? in this minute, give me a hundred bucks. Do you need it? No, I don't. <laughs> Do you want me to give it to you? I can take it if I need it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, start. We'll put it. We'll post it on social media. But um, feel free to email us or DM us Seriously. or whatever, and tell us who who you think needs the money and a little bit about why you don't have to get into you know, embarrassing or too personal detail, but yep. it does help to know. Mm-hmm. So Narrow we can make the best decision. Yeah. Last time it, it worked out really, really well and uh, really made a huge difference in people's lives. So thank you guys yes. for p- supporting us as Patreons. Yeah. Because that's where this money is coming from. Yeah. Yes, it is. And we had a bunch come in last minute. Yeah. Lay them the on me. Uh, yeah. Real quick. If you are a patron and you haven't been getting our episodes anymore, but you should be, just go check. Go double check your payment and stuff. We had some little funny business happening with some of our listeners through Patreon. So if you're, if it just doesn't seem right, whatever, yeah. reach out. We can look at into it. I want to make sure that people are getting what they're paying for. 
Totally. And there was like a tax change that they yeah. instituted. And so that threw things yeah. off for a little bit or something. So yeah, so just, just double go double check. check. Sure mm-hmm. We have We are still posting regular weekly episodes. Yeah, every week. We have not, we have missed, not missed a week. Right. So yep. if you're missing episodes, it's not because we have stopped putting them out there. No, you get what you pay for, which is yeah. our dumb voices in your heads. <laughs> Some days dumber than others. Uh, Okay. So thank you so much to Emily M. Emily M. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you even, yes. Yes. What do you even do with that? Other than, you know, the fact that she's a famous rapper. Uh Other than being Emily M. (laughs) Move this. Gonna never let it go. Don't miss your chance to blow. She does. She didn't miss it. She's Emily M. She did not miss her chance to blow. It didn't. No, she blows. <laughs> Constantly. Constant. I'm doing full names on this one. Okay, Thank great. you so... Not on all of them, just on this one person. Uh, thank you so much to Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, J-Law, I know you're a busy woman. I know that you're busy being... Uh, uh, starting out as an independent film star mm-hmm. and rising to... A-list celebrity status. That's right. <laughs> but the fact that you are supporting us and listening to our podcast means the world. Yep. She is from Louisville, Kentucky. What if it, like, we know her from somebody <gasps> and it is actually Jennifer Lawrence? That'd be amazing. That'd be pretty fucking yeah. cool. But even if it's not the America's Sweetheart Jennifer Lawrence, it is it America's is. Sweetheart Jennifer Lawrence. They just don't know it yet. Don't. So get out there other jennifer lawrence also and fuck it up and Live rise from independent movie star to a-list celebrity in whatever that means to yes. you whatever capacity because you are doing it yes thank you so much to thick sparky <laughs> <laughs> guys are killing me this week <laughs> emily m and thick sparky <laughs> are sitting in a tree not kissing unless it's consensual but plotting planning negotiating strategizing and what are they doing those things for i don't know but cool stuff look out world emily m thick sparky coming for you (laughs) in a good way yes you know who else is coming to for us to us who who uh our first belgium patron what Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm how is that possible? I have no idea. But but uh, thank you so much to Justine V. Justine, very, very, very pretty <laughs> person. She's over there with her waffles and her chocolates and her advanced buildings and architecture mm-hmm. and beauty mm-hmm. and... Her own beauty and everything yes. around her is beautiful. And thank you. So happy Justine. to have you. Very, 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 very. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Lisa T. Lisa, tomorrow, come over today. Don't wait. Don't wait. It is time. Time <laughs> for what? Lisa asks and I say, it's time to be 
the greatest bitch of all time of every day. You are that one bitch. <laughs> I was going to say. In a good way. Really, really gay. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be. Yes. We support that. 100%. Gay. Is in happy gays and queer AF, mm-hmm. whatever. Whatever that means you, for you. Yes, be it. Thank you so much to Nikki K. Nikki Crispy. <laughs> As in, I must have said Crispy doesn't start with a K, and that's still true. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. It doesn't start with a K. <laughs> But she is crispy. <laughs> her dressing is crispy. Her her voice, her and it's her pronunciation and denunciation, her wit, it's all crispy. Crispy. With a K. It's all crispy with a K. Uh, it's also, it could be cupcake with a K. Uh, always, always cupcake with a K. Uh, last but not least, thank you so much to Laura C. Laura sees the horizon and it's brightened every day, every day. You're on fire tonight, Court. I don't know. I took a 15-minute bar class right before we started this, and I think my blood sugar is crashing. <laughs> a brain aneurysm happening. Yes. I'm actually, like, extra Side hilarious. Side effect of bar class. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, that's that's it, you guys. That's a lot. That is a lot. Yep, I think that's enough. episode. Oh, man. That is, ugh, that is so I know. weird. I really thought, I really thought that we'd be like three and done. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's not too late for this to crash and burn. No. But the fact that it has taken us to 100 episodes. I remember one of us sharing like morbid with each other back way back in the day. And one of us being like, I think you were like, holy shit, they have like a hundred episodes. How do they have the time? Yeah. Right. Well, you just do somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, those girls really pump out the jams. Like, yeah, they really, yeah, do. I don't know. They're how very they prolific. That, but yeah. I don't either. I mean, I feel like we are very prolific also, but I couldn't do any, any more than what we do. <laughs> this is, you know, like it's, no. it's not easy. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. Not without yeah. a staff. Alana's over there fucking having twins and being a medical examiner or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Writing, editing. Yeah. Fucking uh-huh. hats off to you, madam. Yes. Oh shit. My battery's dying. Okay. Okay. Well, go to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at they will kill. You can go to our website. They will kill.com. You can email us. They will kill podcast at gmail.com. Rate, revive, review, subscribe, please. Rate, revive, subscribe <laughs> us. Yes, do that too. We've been getting some good uh, reviews lately. Lots of people yeah. finding us for the first time. Welcome. Ooh, welcome. We are so happy you're here. Very much happy. And thank you, AJ Bergens, for your music. Thank you very much for it. And remember, ooh, I've got one. Yeah, what is it? If you decide to take brain meds for anxiety depression whatever you need them for yeah you are not cheating no you're not making it easier on yourself to get better no so i had this thought today when i was driving somewhere i don't know and i was like you know sometimes i feel like i should be really working through my shit harder (laughs) and then i was like oh my god 
I, you know, like thinking back or the opposite where, why didn't I take the medicine sooner? Because my uh-huh. life is so much easier with it. Uh-huh. I just was having some mixed emotions. And then I was thinking like, like all of the things that therapy has taught me. And then I was imagining like, if I hadn't gone through therapy and I just took the meds, how gross my life would still feel in different ways. You know, like my anxiety might yeah. be better, but my boundaries and all of the, my self-esteem and like all these really yeah. important things that I've learned through therapy yes. wouldn't exist. Um, so it's not cheating. It's like, they're all tools in your toolbox. And if you're having doubts about whether or not you should try it, and you feel like you need it. It doesn't hurt to try whatever that is. Fuck therapy and pills. Yes. Whatever. You just take yes. care of your mental health, please. Taking care of yourself, yeah. buying yourself things that help you take care of yourself. All of it. 100%. You deserve it. Because you know what? Capitalism tells you that you have to be, everything has to be a fucking struggle. And I'm not into capitalism, mm-hmm. but I'm anti unchuck capitalism. And it's not good to think that you have to work constantly. Everything has to be so fucking mm-hmm. hard and everything has to be a grind. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. Nope. It just does not. Yep. It shouldn't be that fucking hard. Nope. And if it is, you can tell it to go fuck itself. Yes, you can. We love you guys. We love you very much. And we're so happy you're here. So and thank you much. for getting us to 100 episodes. And we'll see you on 101. I cannot wait. Good. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Okay. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.